Blog Talk Radio. I hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. I'm as tired as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. You built a time machine? What about the warrior? This is the Stupid Cancer Show. That's hot. Hello there, children. Hey, hey, kids. <laughs> People seem to like me because I am polite and I'm rarely late. And now the host of the Stupid Cancer Show, Matthew Zachary. Monday, January 25th, 2010. And welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adults with cancer. We are your friendly neighborhood weekly social webcast, finally giving a voice to nearly 5 million young adults affected by cancer. Got cancer under 40? Sucks, huh? Well, get busy living because the Stupid Cancer Show is on the air. Welcome to tonight's broadcast, my friends. We are here to change the world one chemo infusion at a time and share all of our collective crapness. This broadcast is a program of the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation, one of the nation's leading grassroots advocates for the next generation of survivors and co-survivors. It's all about us, folks, and we're bringing the cause of cancer under 40 to the national spotlight and sticking it to a system that's ignored us for far too long. The past three decades of cancer progress have failed the next generation, so there's no reason to think the next 30 will be any different unless change happens right here, right now. So join us and be that change that needs to happen. Hell, we invented Google, Facebook, Twitter, Foursquare. We kept Sanjaya on American Idol all those weeks. We can do anything we want. This is Generation Cancer. It is our fight and our duty to give back to our own. We have the sheer numbers, the voting power, and the influence. Because remission is no excuse for cure. And survivorship is all that matters. Last week's show, Charity 2.0 with Dr. Adam Dockman, young adult cancer advocate, oncology, uh, surgical oncologist and concert pianist, composer. Ravit Lichtenberg, young adult cancer advocate, founder and chief strategist at Youth Strategy. And the fabulous Beth Cancer, nonprofit consultant and author of Beth's blog. Tonight's show, the Livestrong Young Adult Alliance and Young Adults Unite. In our spotlight, the lovely and talented returning champion, Allie Ward, young adult survivor of ovarian cancer champion blogger, incredible story, Andy Miller, executive vice president of Mission for the Lance Armstrong Foundation, and Kelly Craddock, young adult cancer advocate and the director of the Livestrong Young Adult Alliance. So hello my friends and welcome to yet another fun, fun and exciting romp through the hay on tonight's Stupid Cancer Show. And a stupid cancer welcome to all of our first time listeners here on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Coming to you live from the chemo deck. Our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan, I'm your host, Matthew Zachary, a 14-year young adult pediatric brain cancer survivor. 
Joining us in the studio tonight, our fabulous broadcast production assistant, young adult survivor Amanda Freeman. Hello, Amanda. She's not near the microphone, but she can run up. Are you connected? Hi, Amanda. Hi, Matt. Welcome back. Thank you for having me she again. She keeps coming back. I like it here. Good. You feed me. That is true. We do feed the college students. Joining Amanda and I, we've got our chief cancer anarchist, Jack Buffard. Hello, Jack. Hi, Matthew. Oh, my God. Jack will be monitoring our live concurrent interactive chat room. So if you have any issues with the show, take it up with him. There's a chance he just might listen. And, of course, please welcome back our new partner in crime here on the Stupid Cancer Show, hailing right here from New York City, but calling in tonight from North Carolina, young adult survivor, acclaimed journalist, former deputy editor of TV Guide, and former entertainment news correspondent for the Fox News Channel, the lovely and talented Lisa Bernard. Hey there. How are you? Again with the applause. Well, I, I tried to time the Tears for Fear song to end just as we brought on Lisa so I could play the applause. Nice. Yeah. Very nicely done. Dislike. Working, working your magic. I do what I can. I miss you guys. First time I'm not in studio. Since I know. I know. It's, it's just not the same without you. And you actually, in addition to feeding college students, you actually feed me when I'm there, and let's just say I'm a little bit beyond being a college student, just a touch. As am I, but we, that's the job. If you want to come to the Stupid Cancer Show, you get fed. <laughs> that's what keeps bringing me back. That's, that's the only reason Jack comes back. I have to say, not quite as well as I'm getting fed in North Carolina, but still, it's, uh, it's, it's a nice touch. Corn dogs uh, and grits? Sorry I, sorry I can't, can't, can't be there <laughs> with you in... Uh, in New York. Collard greens, mac and cheese, baked beans. What are, what are you eating down there? Deep-fried mayonnaise balls dipped in butter. <laughs> you know, I didn't quite hear what you said. Um, I Jack, said I you're... Think, no, 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 no. <laughs> I was going to say I think it's just as well. <laughs> what I said was you're fixing for some deep-fried mayonnaise balls dipped in butter. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> you know... Oh, no. Maybe you're better off being that. down I'm there. In, uh, yeah, I'm in, uh, I'm, I'm in uh, Confederate territory here. I cannot participate in any poking fun at any Yankees. I just that's 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 off the table for me. Now, off normally I'd say that North Carolina has no electricity, so we wouldn't care about people listening to the show because they have no internet. But we actually know that there are people in North Carolina that listen to the show. So we're Sally Nix is in North yes, Carolina. Sally Nix is in North Carolina with my buddy Mb. Probably my, my family and my in-laws who I'm here with have probably just hung up and disconnected right now. <laughs> you probably just lost those listeners in North Carolina. Oh, my goodness. Thank you very much. Oh, God. <laughs> well, we have Duke University, so that's all that really matters, right? Oh, that's even worse. We're Chapel, we're UNC fans down here. Oh, that's right. a sports I mean, reference, just, Matt. It's just, you know, can open, worms everywhere. As, Speaking uh, of sports, was, I did watch the last three minutes of each game yesterday. The football game? The foosball game, yeah. Foosball's the devil. I, tur- I kept turning it on, waiting for it to be three minutes left, because three minutes in football is like an hour. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever see yeah. the last 20 seconds of college basketball? No. That's like two hours. Okay. Fantastic. Well, you saw that piece that was in the Wall Street Journal about how there was actually 11 minutes of action in a three-hour televised football game. The rest yes. of it's ads and everybody falling down and getting back up. Yeah, you know, you know what? And I'm dead serious because I would never lie to you. I only lie to women. But um, <laughs> Direct Direct TV, which which carries you know the what? NFL. When I get back to New York, you're in serious. You are <laughs> dead, man. She's gonna yeah. tear you up. Yeah. Um. So anyway, uh, 
DirecTV, which carries the NFL Sunday ticket, they broadcast all the games. On Mondays during the football season, you can watch a football game in its entirety, and they take out everything but the plays. So, like, not even the huddles. It's just, you know, hike the ball, run the ball, hike the ball, throw the ball, whatever. Right. Yeah, right. A full game of just the playing time when the clock is actually running right. is, like, 18 minutes. Nice. Wow. Yep. That's, That's amazing. insane. Yeah, you know, 18 minutes, you know, just for the plays. That that's incredible. I, I have to say about now that first time listeners are probably wondering why this is called the stupid cancer show and not the stupid football show. Exactly. <laughs> well, we're all cancer survivors and we're the only yes. ones talking about it, so there you go. <laughs> there and you Matt go. put the stupid in stupid cancer. I do. Yes. I certainly uh, do. I'm, ex- I'm excited about tonight's show, and uh, I haven't talked to any of these guests before. I know you guys have, and uh, it's just a, a, a great, uh, inspiring group. Yeah, I mean, it, the the theme of tonight's show is it's called Young Adults Unite, and we're we're going to be talking with uh, some folks from the Livestrong organization and the Livestrong Young Adult Alliance. We'll be learning about what that is, what it means, and how, interestingly enough, three years later or four years later, um, the issue of young adults with cancer, 18 to 40, is now part of public discourse in the cancer conversation. It took three years. But it worked, and uh, change has come. So this is a, a, a sort of a byproduct of progress, being the alliance, and it's pretty exciting. I mean, all the jabber-jop and the rhetoric and the propaganda, I, I say, or the jibber-jab the <laughs> that I speak at the beginning of the show, it's still, still true that we deserve a fighting chance in the conversation and we're still underserved. But, yes, in three years, yes, huge, huge difference in getting us to be part of the conversation. Now it's just about rallying the troops to start giving back to the community that's supporting them. And our survivor spotlight, Allison Ward, who I know is a close friend of uh, both of yours, uh, who I've just been on her blog uh, today, Redheaded Bald Chic, and boy, she's really, I think she just writes beautiful, amazing, inspiring things, and uh, I'm, I'm really excited to get to talk to her. Yeah, she's great. And it's redheaded bald chick. Are you sure? I, I don't. I never heard of her. Allie Ward. Oh. Yeah. Who? She yeah. Remember? It, she spells it. Oh, okay. Well, you can say it either way then. I like chic. Chick. You, well, you have a northern accent. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's in the chat room. Allie, correct us. <laughs> or actually, wait, wait. Who am I talking to? Allie, who? Sorry. Well, it's Allie Ward is not related to Psych Ward. Psych Ward? No, the or other Bert person Ward? that's been calling you. What about Burt Ward? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who was Robin from Batman, right? Yeah. A little pop culture reference there. I appreciate that. My goodness. Yeah. So what else is going on in the world of stupid cancer? Jack. Um, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Um, I caused a stir on Facebook today because I pulled up a controversial sort of um, uh, conspiracy theorist, uh, crazy religious post about how there's a right-wing anti-abortion pro-life group that is pushing a fake correlation between abortion and breast cancer. And I, I, just, I put it up on Facebook on purpose because I just wanted to see what people said about it. it they keep um, pushing the national – I hate to give them attention, but it's just so stupid and funny. They keep pushing the National Cancer Institute to remove a page on their website that says abortions do not correlate to an increased risk in breast cancer. But I, it, it caused a huge stir on, on my profile page. It was great. And it's just, it just goes back to, like, how completely nutbaggy some people are to get their point across, which is okay. really no point at all. 
what kinds of things did people say? You know, I, I, I saw when you posted that, and I was a little wary because first I thought, you know, you, sometimes you go through and the danger of some of these social websites is you read things rather quickly, and I didn't sort of realize the irony that you were kind of not behind it, and then you posted, and I said, wait a minute. And then I obviously saw that you were um, not not quite on board with that theory. And, well, uh, no, Carol left a funny quote, like, am I on the Pat Buchanan payroll for posting these things up there? Right. So right. And my response was, Pat Buchanan is the cause of cancer. So there you go. Well, if it can be linked to abortion, then sure, why not link it to Pat Buchanan, I suppose? I would, yes. That would be the only case where it would be a, a, a relative and relevant fact. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, what else, in, what else in, uh, in, in news today, Matt? Well, there's a big piece of news. What's the that? CBS Early Show oh, Wednesday yeah. morning. We have to promote my wife. Um, CBS, what, what's the name of the woman who runs the CBS Early Show? Look I it up. Look it up. Go to, go, go to CBS. There's a, she's Hispanic. Maggie, yeah. Yes. Maggie, what's her last name? Maggie, um, boy, and I should know this of all people. There's Maggie, Maggie and there's I'm Harry sorry, Smith Maggie. and uh, Julie Chen. I'm sorry, Maggie, I'm blinking on your last name. Um, anyway, Maggie from the CBS Early Show uh, yeah. reached out to a friend of mine who reached out to me that they're looking for women in New York that are pregnant because she's pregnant, and she wanted to do like a six-month series on pregnant women in New York City. Maggie Rodriguez, I believe. That's it, Maggie it. Rodriguez. Yeah. yeah. And um, you redeemed yourself, please. Thank you. <laughs> and they're doing this great series on young women who are pregnant with various different backgrounds and ethnical diverse ethnical is that a word ethnic diversities and uh and you know they wanted women who were from different boroughs and whatever so i got an email from a friend of mine who's a regular journalist and said matt do you know anybody who's pregnant with multiples because cbs is looking for a, a, a mother of multiples for the show so i just thought the whole show was about multiples but it turns out that they already filled the first four and they didn't have a mother with multiples so like oh my wife is pregnant so jess interview with CBS, they accepted her, and she's actually part of this team of five other women, three of whom already have children, one is having a single child, one's a little older, it's, we're the only ones that did IVF, we're the only ones that are having twins, and they came to our house yesterday to shoot some B-roll, and Jess was in the studio last week at CBS and shot some, some regular tape, and uh, this Wednesday, whatever that date is, uh, is uh, from 7 to 9 is the CBS early show. And look for this segment on pregnancy with my wife, Jessica Feldman. Yeah, and if anybody's out there going to TV it or whatever, it does come up as uh, mothers and uh, pregnancies and such. So, But the, the footage that they shot at your house yesterday is not authentic because I was not seen lying on your couch in the background. That is true. It is unauthentic. It is unofficial footage of our apartment. But you guys would have, like, uh, you know, probably, uh, you know, blue-screened you or green-screened me out of it anyway, yeah, we right? we would have green-screened you out of it. <laughs> You, you say multiples. You make it sound like Jess is having a litter, but she's but 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 just two, one boy and one girl. Octa Jess, yes, and and yes. they're going to be named Jack and Lisa, from what I understand. Yes, that is absolutely incorrect. <laughs> well, that's great. So you guys had a good experience with the early show and shooting all of that, and well, there's more to come. She's going to go back like every two weeks, then come back to the house. They want to bring all the husbands in wow. to do some 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 stuff. Apparently, they want to stuff our bellies with like sixty pound weights. So we can do sympathy walks. You'll have sympathetic pregnancies, yeah. Yeah, that's. I'm just really not looking forward to that, but it'll be fun. So if I want to watch it Wednesday morning because it's the early show, that means I have to set that beepy thing, that clock that makes the noise. You mean your alarm clock? Your alarm clock? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll probably have to use that thing. I'll, I'll have to figure out how it works. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I'll be up at seven. You might have Wednesday. to swap out the batteries. They might have crusted over, Jack. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, it's going to be so weird not waking up naturally on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's get to the news here, and uh, and that's all I have to say about that. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman, and this is Eye on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am. I'm going to try not to laugh when I read this again. I don't think you can do it. During this part of the Stupid Cancer Show, we watched Jack Bifford stammer through a series of special announcements to let our listeners know about a whole bunch of stuff you might otherwise not know about. And we don't want you missing out on free young adult stuff, like conferences, happy hours, retreats, scholarships, support groups, music concerts, and more. So if you have something coming up that you'd like us to tell our audience about during this segment, please fax it to us at 877-794-6902 or send an email to Jack Buffard. His email is jack at i2y.com. Take it away, Jack. Thank you, Matthew. And here's your stupid cancer news. Head on over to events.i2y.com. Events.i2y.com is the official social calendar of the Oncologist Cancer Foundation. There's a lot of new and upcoming events. We have uh, happy hours in Long Island, Philly, and Washington, D.C. So and, and North Carolina. And North Carolina. And San Francisco. Oh, we have one in San Fran now? Yes. Wow. All right, cool. So head on oh, over and, to... And, uh, and um, uh, Gainesville. Gainesville, Florida. Thank you, Mr. Stammer. So head on over to events.i2y.com. All of these happy hours and our events have no cover, which is nice. And speaking of no cover, you won't need to part ways with any of your loonies or toonies when attending tomorrow night's Stupid Cancer Taco Time that is being held at Under the Volcano in London, Ontario, Canada. Attention young adult survivors in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. The Leukemia Lymphoma Society is proud to present their Lone Star Blood Cancer Conference Saturday, February 27th at the UT Southwestern Medical Center. This is a free event with limited seating. and to register, please call the Dallas Leukemia Lymphoma Society at 1-800-800-6702. YAC-CC is a young adult survivor support community made possible by our friends at Smith Farm. Join them on the first Tuesday of the month for various group events and wellness activities. On February 18th, Lisa Goldstein will be presenting the First Descent program and showing the camp documentary at the February meetup. I will be there along with the fabulous Tamika Felder of Tamika and Friends, the somewhat fabulous Johnny Emmerman of Emmerman Angels, and Mr. Handsome himself, Brad Ludden of First Ascent. All events are held at Smith Farm, and for more information, please call 202-483-8600 or email yaksupdc at gmail.com. Speaking of the somewhat fabulous Johnny Emmerman, Johnny and I will be heading to Atlanta, Georgia next month for the Young Survival Coalition's annual conference for young women affected by breast cancer, the YSC and Living Beyond Breast Cancer, uh, their annual conference for young, adult, for young adult women affected by breast cancer is the only international event focused on the unique needs and issues faced by young women who are diagnosed with breast cancer. This conference will take place February 26th through the 28th at the Sheraton Atlanta Hotel. And for more information, head on over to youngsurvivalconference.org. Okay, back to February 18th. In New York City, Matthew Zachary will be keynoting at the I2Y Insurance Boot Camp for Young Adults. Everything you need to know, but we're too afraid to ask or too poor to consider because you're in insurance debt hell. This insurance boot camp is being held at the NYU Langone Medical Center right here in New York City. We have a new item, so pay attention, Filbert. March 19th and 20th. In Washington, D.C., the National Brain Tumor Society is presenting their patient and family conference at the Washington Marriott. 
Learn more about the latest research on brain tumor causes, treatments, and coping strategies. Make connections with others in the brain tumor community, take part in brain tumor advocacy, and attend a performance by singer-songwriter David M. Bailey. For more information regarding this conference, head on over to braintumor.org. Are you a young adult survivor who would like to begin an exercise program? If so, the National Cancer Institute is funding Survivor Step Into Motion. For more information regarding this program, contact Santina Horowitz at area code 401-793-8124. A research team at Rice University is investigating the positive and negative experiences that childhood cancer survivors have at work. Previous research has shown that many childhood survivors probably face difficult circumstances that may make employment more difficult for them, but we aren't exactly sure what those are. If you were diagnosed before the age of 18 and are now older than 18 and working full or part-time, please let us know about your workplace experiences by going to i2y.rice.edu and filling out the online survey. There's no such thing as a typical experience, and yours can be valuable in trying to find a solution. Again, the survey can be found at i2y.rice.edu. Head on over to 70k.org. That's the word 70, the letter K.org. There are approximately 70,000 people aged 15 to 39 diagnosed with cancer every year. For over two decades, there has been little or no improvement in survival for this age group. By signing this bill, you are supporting the Adolescent and Young Adult Cancer Bill of Rights to be established as a standard for care to meet this underserved population. The young adult groups that are active and running at Cancer Care are as follows. Living with cancer, life after cancer, young adults loss of a parent, young women with breast cancer, young adult individual grief counseling, and young adult caregiver for all diagnoses and relationships. For more information on these programs, head on over to cancercare.org. Attention teenagers, Gilda's Club needs your help. Gilda's Club, New York City, needs your help in developing a network of teens to continue to build our unique cancer support community. Join other teens touched by cancer to learn how you can support our community through teen networking. Teen networking will offer teens a a chance to connect and have fun while engaging in special projects at Gilda's Club New York. To learn more about teen networking, Head it over to Gilda's Club on Thursday, February 11th from 6 to 7.30. And for more information, call 212-647-9700. Our friends at First Ascent are excited to announce their 2010 camp schedule. Head on over to firstascents.org to check out the dates and locations as well as the date applications for each camp. And as far as I know, all of the uh, camps are uh, the registrations are open with the exception of the Vail, Colorado kayaking, which is in a couple weeks. So head on over to firstdescents.org. Our friends that can't make a dream are, have released their 2010 schedule. Head on over to campdream.org to check out the dates for their ovarian cancer retreat, Young Adult Survivors Conference, Young Adult Conference, Teen Heads Up Conference, Teen Camp, Siblings Camp, Kids Camp, Heads Up Conference, Ovarian Cancer Retreat, and Women's Cancer Retreat. Surviving Idol to support the efforts of the eighth national I'm sorry, the eighth annual National Young Adult Cancer Awareness Week, the first week in, which is being held the first week of April. Vital Options presents Surviving Idol, young adults with cancer expressing themselves. This international talent competition will feature young adult cancer survivors who are at any stage of their cancer journey and are between the ages of seventeen and forty. 
anyone with vocal talents, instrumental talents, and dance categories, with winners in all three categories being chosen. The competition will be accepting submissions from young adult cancer survivors worldwide, and to submit your video, head on over to www.survivingidol.com. And that, my friends, is your Stupid Cancer News. Allie Ward was diagnosed in June of 2007 with stage 4 ovarian cancer. After 18 months of chemo and the disease spreading to her lungs and brain, she decided to stop treatment and focus on her quality of life. She has spent the past two supporting, uh, past few years supporting other young adults affected by cancer. For Allie, living life to its fullest. Hang on. For Allie, living life to its fullest and bringing to light end-of-life issues for young adults. I read this all messed up. Oh, where's my liquor? It is important to talk about this sometimes hard and uncomfortable issue, such as dying from cancer. Please welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, my dear friend, Jack's dear friend, the lovely Allie Ward. She's my friend. Fine, she's your friend. I love my Allie Ward. All right, Allie, you're Jack's friend. You're not my friend anymore. You never call your friend. That's you, Jack. Oh, she's talking to you, Matt. <laughs> no, I, well, I, since I stopped poking on Facebook, I, I, I have to, you know. I told you, no more poking Allie on Facebook. Yeah, I know. <laughs> can, you, can you be my friend now, too, Allie? Of course I Hi, will. Lisa. How are you? Great, great. Um, I'm just, your, your blog is just fantastic, and I sit your uh, candor and your honesty uh, so inspiring and so amazing. Thank what, you. It, it must be, I mean, obviously it's, um, I, you know, when I was going through uh, breast cancer, there was no <laughs> such thing as the Internet and wrote for myself. But for you to be able to reach out and touch so many lives, I, I think, must be so rewarding for you. You must get incredible feedback. It really is. You know, in the beginning I created the blog because I wanted to tell people what was going on, but really just my friends because I was sick of repeating everything that happened every time you went to the doctors and how many more treatments you had left and all of that. But over the time, it's really morphed into something else, and it's just given me a place to talk about what's going on in my life, but then just to get things out as well. And I never expected to have a lot of followers or to have people from other countries logging in, and it's really been just incredible. And we should tell folks, um, uh, first-time listeners, that you were you were originally diagnosed how many years ago? Um, in 2007. 2007, okay. And uh, it's, it's, I, I'm in a, a situations where you are just, um, very frank about talking about end of life issues, and uh, but also the the sort of stages and processes that that you've been through, sort of emotionally and and tears and and all of it, I think would be something that a lot of people out there would be comforted by and can really relate to. Thanks. I mean, it's like I said, it's really you know morphed into something different. But being able to talk about, I mean, the support I get from other people. And sometimes it's funny. I mean, sometimes I make bad jokes on there, and, and, and a lot of other times it's been, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning when I can't sleep and I just had a coughing fit and I'm frustrated, and, um, you know, I get to get that out there. But I think it's important to talk about these issues, and 
I did a lot of research when, the first time I was told that I was dying, and I couldn't really find anything out there to say, hey, if you're a young adult, these are some of the things you might go through. These are the stages, or it's okay to feel this way. Sure. Do you feel that a lot of people who are close to you, um, do they have difficulty talking about uh, your illness or end-of-life issues, and is it easier for them to maybe go to your blog rather than have a face-to-face conversation with you? I actually think it is. Um, I know, like, my one sister reads the blog, and I know it's hard for her, but I think that she, we've never, we don't have that many frank-to-frank conversations about it, so I think it helps her get an insight of what's going on, but also without having to ask me to bring things up in case I'm not in the mood to talk about it. Uh, So I do know a lot of friends and family that do follow it and like to to know what's going on. Interesting. Wow. And you you are now, you've, yeah, and, you, and it's very touching, too, where you talk about having to um, move out of the condo that you lived in for 12 years and move into uh, with your parents, that's right, in, in the actual the bedroom that you grew up in? Yes, I'm now back with Mom and Dad. I've been here for almost three months. Yeah. Um, and after 12 years, that was a big, it still is, a big adjustment. Uh, they're doing great, but it's it's hard. Yeah. It's a hard it's a hard adjustment on, on both ends for, for, for both them and, and for you. Yeah, they try to give me my privacy. I try to give them you know, I I'm very dependent on them for driving and things like that. But other than that I'm still able to get around so I've been I help out with like cooking and things you know, with the family. Right, right. I have to ask, Allie, i we've talked about this too, but the do you ever get like the, the but you look great? I wish somebody would just say, oh, you look like crap. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but then you could beat them with your cane. That's true. I constantly get the, but you look so good. And it's frustrating because when I look in the mirror, I don't see that I've looked so good. Um, But I know that what I see is different than what other people see. Uh, And sometimes I say, well, could you look under the hood? You know, would you like to see the x-ray of all the tumors? And that's the sarcastic way to think to say it. And you know, people are being being nice. And and sometimes I feel like I need to apologize for saying I'm sorry. I don't look like I'm dying. But what exactly does that mean? Like, what does a dying person look like? Yeah, I'm gonna go with Skeletor. <laughs> yeah, I look more like the Pillsbury Doughboy. Yeah, well, we're all dying. <laughs> now don't get all like like thing crazy philosophy on us. Like when you're bored, you start dying. I'm going to go with, um, what's well, her name? Quote Mick Jagger here. Dying all the time, lose your dreams, and you will le- lose your mind. A- Amy have- Winehouse. There we go. That's death warmed over right there. Or <laughs> <laughs> Keith Richards going with the whole Rolling Stones connection. I guess so, yeah. Well, it's interesting you talk about those issues of, of people coming up to you and saying, well, you don't look a certain way. I mean, it, it's... It's funny. It's like there's no, you know, there's 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 no sort of cancer etiquette <laughs> guide. You know, it's, navigating those waters is always um, is always tricky. But which I think is again part of why what you do is so important and so key to the overall dialogue. I mean, I wish that there was a um, guidebook for people with cancer or people, you know, who are supporting or friends with people with cancer, because you don't know what to say. Um, You don't know how to act. I mean, when you know somebody like me, now I've been given, I I say that I'm past my expiration date, 
because this is twice now that I've lived longer than my doctors have said that I'm going to live, but I have accepted that I'm dying. It doesn't mean that I don't live every day and have fun and, and do those types of things, but some people are afraid of talking about it. Like, they don't really know how to talk about it, so they ignore the big elephant in the room. Sure. And and at what point were you able to uh, talk so to, talk so freely about it yourself? You know, I don't know. Like, I don't think that there was a day that all of a sudden I, you know, said, oh, it's okay, or or now I can talk about it. There was a period of, like, for a year where all I did was cry, and if I brought it up, you know, I would cry. Now I don't cry that much about it, but now I don't focus on it every day. Sure, sure. And you certainly, <laughs> not to use the, again, you're just, you're so uh, vital and expressive through what you're doing that um, it's, uh it's just, and even in the, I, I love the blog too, where you wrote. This, I found this interesting, and it's and it was fairly recent, just in December, where you wrote the words "I hate cancer," and you said it's the first time you'd ever written those words, and maybe people would be surprised by that. Um, it, yeah, you would think with, you know, fighting cancer for so long, I probably would have said that earlier, uh, but and it, but it dawned on me when I was writing that post. I'm like, well, geez, I don't think I've even ever said this word out loud, yeah. or that phrase. Yeah. And the anger, too, which I found interesting is when you're angry, at least on, on your blog, it's the anger at having lost others, loved ones and uh, friends that you've made more than what you have gone through yourself. And I, I find that really interesting and also inspiring, and I wonder if that's because um, even though you've been given you know, this diagnosis a couple of times over, that you can still feel, you can still take control of your life as you've done you know, and it's still ultimately other people's lives are out of your hands and you can miss them, but you are making every day count for yourself. I mean, that's really been the key is living in the moment and not saying, you know, and I went through the, oh, this is my last. Like two years ago, I really thought it was going to be my last birthday. Well, this year I'm trying to decide whether or not I should celebrate because for the last two years I've been pulling the, well, I'm not going to have another birthday. So <laughs> I don't know. Do I have another big party like I did last year? You know, so I try not to second guess myself. Is this the last time I'm going to have this? You know, do I need to get sad about it? And I really try to focus in on it. And I am angry about what I have lost, but mostly I'm angry about losing my friends, the struggle my friends are going through, and my family, and you know, not being able to be, you know, with my family. And so what has been, um, and also you have, it sounds like you have a lot of uh, friends around you as well. I mean, you have folks and people that come to visit the house, and um, to the degree that everybody sort of goes about, you know, business as usual, they do. Yeah, I mean, we do. I, I have friends that come and take me out, not so much the last couple of weeks, because um, I haven't been feeling real good after the holidays. Um, but, you know, I see my my family, my nephews a lot. And uh, I get, you know, phone calls and people come and visit. Just Friday night we had girls' night, which was, you know, just seven women sitting around laughing and drinking, eating some good food. And, you know, except for a couple times that I cried, you wouldn't know that it was, you know, that here was the terminally ill woman sitting in the room. Right, right. So let me ask you the obvious question, which is, you know, we're here to, to be as open as possible. Are you scared or you have you reached the point of, of sort of harmony with the universe, that you own this and 
this is how you are going to signal yourself to the universe? Um, I kind of go back and forth. I am terrified over the actual process of dying. I'm not terrified of death. Um, I think I've really come at peace to what I think, you know, the afterlife and what heaven and death is for me. Um, and I, and for me, it's going to be a, a time where I'm not going to be in pain and, and, uh, you know, a release from this physical life where I am. But the actual, like, journey to death terrifies me. Can I actually read, um, Ali, just a bit of what's on your blog? Because I really think this is lovely, if you don't mind my reading. Of course. Um, where you say, I think about what heaven will be like. For me, I think it will be a continuation of my life here on earth. I picture myself on the mountains in a cabin doing poetry with a whole pack of golden retrievers around me. And I always, I've always dreamed of a cabin in the woods and can close my eyes and picture it. And I thought this was the only change after these years is there's a big screen TV over the fireplace programmed to the Earth Channel, in quotes, and I will be able to turn it on and watch my family and my friends. These thoughts are very comforting to me because not only will I be fulfilling some of my dreams, I will be without pain and can check in on everyone. I think I read that and just thought that was so, so lovely and so connected um, and just a beautiful sentiment and a beautiful way to sort of think that you're, you're, you are still connected with everybody and the people that you love and the things that you love. Thanks. I mean, I remember one day I was at somebody's funeral who the mother had died of old age, you know, wasn't they had lived a really good life, but I was sitting there and I was thinking about my dream of always living in this cabin, and I got real sad that I was never going to, you know, be able to succeed in that dream. And then a couple months later, it dawned on me that maybe that's what heaven is for me. You know, I don't have to give up my dreams just because I'm no longer going to have a physical self. Right. And and if I could just interject, when you come back, please haunt Jack's car. <laughs> hey, Jack and I have the same car. We do. We do. There you go. I can't haunt that. It's a good car. <laughs> All right. I'll well, something. Well, you can haunt it when I pick you up next month when we go down to uh, D.C. for that uh, first ascent thing. Right. Definitely. <clears throat> and we'll put and we'll put Dory on the roof rack. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, I hate to cut this short, but we have to get to Andy. Uh, Allie, you know we love you. Um, I hope I get to see you again uh, this season, and I know you're going to have a great time in D.C. Um, and like I said, you're you're amazing. We love you. There's nothing, I love nothing, you. Nothing but love for Allie Ward. It's, red, it's red-headed, bald. You can say chick or chic, right? I like chic. I'm going to go with what Lisa said. I said I well, it was chic, but I don't know how to spell. Okay. <laughs> okay. Red-headed, bald, chic. Dot blogspot.com is, is your blog, and I would uh, yep. encourage everybody to check it out. It's really wonderful. All right. Allie Ward, everybody. Thanks, Gotta everybody. Gotta give some love. Yay. Okay. All righty. Andy Miller is a one year melanoma survivor and executive vice president of Mission. For the Lance Armstrong Foundation, where he initially joined back in 2003, the Stone Age. He oversees their strategic direction and daily operations of its programmatic activities, including grants and partnerships. He's my best friend now. Educational programs and implementation of the Foundation's cancer policy platforms. He's worked in public health for the past 15 years and currently serves on the board of directors for the Education Network to advance cancer clinical trials. 
the National LGBT Cancer Network and AIDS Services of Austin. Please welcome my old friend, Andy Miller. Andy. Hey, Andy. Welcome back. It's been a long time Thanks. since you're on the show. You were one of our first guests back in 07. Yeah, yeah. It seems like it's, uh, it's been a long time. Much, no, and nothing's happened. Nothing's changed at all, right? Nothing? No, no. Yeah, everything's <laughs> the same. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, uh, a lot of stuff to talk to. I used to live strong as blowing up the world, doing great stuff. I know that uh, Lisa had a couple of questions for you, but I, I, I'm compelled to just obviously talk about the obvious, which is that you worked for Live Strong, and then you became a cancer survivor. Yeah, Doesn't it work the other way? Yeah, isn't that crazy? You well, in that case, that, I'm going to go get a job at the lottery. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, this is ridiculous. You would think that it would provide some type of protection, at least right. inadvertently, but, but no, no. Yeah, and, 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 uh, and, uh, and I was caught just as far as anyone else was. So it was one of those times in your life where you just kind of stop and say to yourself, you're shitting me, right? Yeah. <laughs> And what did you tell us about a little bit about your uh, your diagnosis, Andy? Did you, was it something that you found yourself and then went to the doctor, or how did you how did you discover it? You know, I I had um, well, just uh, I am I am your classic uh, you know uh, progeny of Irish descent, so so fair skin, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, and spent my adolescence convincing myself that I was going to get a really great tan. Sure. And so I I have a long history of risk, but um, no, I, I'm very fortunate in that I had uh, or have a partner that looked at a spot on the middle of my back, which I obviously don't see on a day-to-day basis, and said, you know, I think this has changed. Maybe you should go have it checked out. And I, of course, I tried my best to look at it and said, no, I think that's been there for a while, and no, it's it's fine. And you know, he, he convinced me, yeah, what's the big deal? Just go check it out. So yeah, I went to the dermatologist, and she said, hmm, let me go get a camera, which is never a good. No, never definitely not. Sign. Bad sign, bad sign, bad sign. <laughs> so she took a biopsy, and it was funny because it was your your uh, your, your typical, I think, young adult experience because, you know, my son is my son was a, a year, a year and a half at the time, and she, my dermatologist, had two children, and we had both left work early to go pick up our kids because it was Halloween. So I get a call on my voicemail um, to call my dermatologist back as soon as I could because she had the results from my, my pathology report. And so I call her back. She, my son's screaming at me in the car as I'm getting him from daycare. Her two daughters are screaming at her in the car. And, you know, we're laughing. And she says, well, I'm sorry to tell you, but you have cancer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and I'm like, oh, okay, well, keep talking so I don't panic. And fortunately, uh, I was very lucky. It was caught very early. I was able to have um, have it removed with uh, uh, a simple surgery. You know, it took a wide excision of the of the lesion, and now I'm developing a pretty intimate relationship with my dermatologist, seeing her every three months on a regular basis, and letting her look at every inch of my body. Was your dermatologist like, well, you know, there's this organization called Livestrong. You should check them out. <laughs> no, she. I mean, it's funny because we had a conversation, and she said, she goes, I'm just going to give it to you straight because I know that you can take it. And she said, um, 
you know, I can send you a bunch of research, but I'm pretty sure that you're, you know, when I say it's right. Stage and, <laughs> you know, you know what that means. And, and the irony though was telling my partner at the time, because just a few months prior, his father was diagnosed with melanoma that had uh, progressed very rapidly. And he was actually diagnosed with stage three. Fortunately, you know, he's, he's, doing great today and is, is all clear, but that's after, um, a surgery and a year's worth of, uh, chemotherapy. So interferon for a year, which completely, de- uh, debilitated him. So wow. I think when I had to break the news, I think that's what ran through Brian's mind was, Oh man, we're in for a year of chemo. And fortunately everything turned out for the best. Yeah. So tell us what you're – so you are uh, the EVP sort of in charge of the uh, mission of um, of the Lance Armstrong Foundation. Is that right? Can you can you sort yeah. of walk us through what uh, a day in the life of, of Andy Miller is in, in that role? Not you the know, part I'm about not, getting cancer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I'm not sure I can walk you through a typical day, but I do have to say I probably have one of the coolest jobs, um, and not certainly anything that I ever envisioned I would get the, the, the good fortune to do. Um You know, one of the the great things about working for uh, Live Strong is that, you know, we're all about people. You know, our our mission is pure and simple to uh, inspire and empower those who have been affected by cancer. And we try to think of creative, powerful ways to do that every day. And sometimes it's it's working to to meet a need that um, cancer survivors tell us that they're experiencing. Other times it's working with other organizations or institutions that maybe aren't um, approaching the issue from a people-first perspective, and we're able to bring that to the table and get them to see how what they're doing could be put to, um, you know, put to better use and really in really meeting the needs of, of our population. You know, and sometimes it's just coming face-to-face with people who are in the fight of this disease and learning from their story and being able to share it on a platform where a lot of people will pay attention. I had a question specifically about the uh, the young adult portion of this. Obviously, we've been friends with Doug for a very long time. He is the, the godfather, uh, or the young Archie Blyer is the godfather. Doug is whatever the junior godfather is of the young adult movement, per se. And <clears throat> is it Michael? Yeah, he's Michael Corleone. Of the of the nice. young adult movement, and uh, this I have to ask the questions about the acquisitions of Planet Cancer and Fertile Hope, yeah. because the um, I mean I see that as a people were like, well, what's going on with that? And I, I personally saw it as a good thing. I saw it as evolution. And I started off this conversation on the show tonight about how the young adult conversation, like we sort of won round one, which is that the young adult issue is now public discourse. It is yep. sort of considered mainstream conversation in the cancer continuum, and it's not one of these out-of-left-field things anymore. Can you talk a little bit about the, the need for the acquisition, or was it something that was strategized a while ago, or was it circumstance, or were you working with it uh, as it happened? Sure. No, you know, it's one of these things where it's, you know, like everything in life, it's all about relationships. And, and as you know, um, both Planet Cancer and Fertile Hope as organizations, as well as their founders, um, have been good friends of the foundation for uh, a number of years, and we work very closely with them on a number of projects and initiatives. Uh, Fertile Hope was a, one of our first national partners uh, when we established uh, those types of cooperative agreements with other organizations who were who meeting the needs of cancer survivors. And uh, 
uh, Heidi Adams, who, who headed up Planet Cancer, has been a longtime uh, co-chair for the Live Strong Young Adult Alliance. So, so they were, they were uh, good friends, and when we looked at the opportunity that was before us to uh, acquire the assets of both of those organizations and continue to work with the, the founders as well as um, really leverage all that they had invested in and, and use the power of Livestrong to kind of take it to the next level, it really became a win-win situation for all parties involved. You know, it's been an incredible experience to be able to integrate all of the, the services that Fertile Hope has developed over the years into our Livestrong Survivor Care program so that we're able to directly meet the needs of, of patients uh, that have been diagnosed and uh, potentially have their, are having their fertility impacted by, by their disease. And so it's been a great uh, opportunity for us to, to work with that population as well as um, the work that we're going to be doing with uh, Planet Cancer and all of their assets to, again, shine a light on the need that young adults get diagnosed and they are a special population and they should have their needs met in a uh, culturally sensitive way based on the things that are important to them. So continuing the camps, continuing the My Planet um, platform that allows young adults to network with one another, but then to continue to look for new and creative ways to take those messages to uh, a new populations. One of the things that we're really excited about is the opportunity to integrate uh, the information that Fertile Hope has created as well as Planet Cancer into new and exciting professional education opportunities so that we're able to impart to medical professionals uh, just what it means to be diagnosed with cancer and how do you how do you address the fertility needs and the cultural young adult needs um, so that your patients are, are, are best served. Andy, what do you uh, just, is, is there sort of one um, uh, set of, um, I guess, advice for lack of a better term, if you meet somebody, a young adult uh, who's been diagnosed with cancer and you're just kind of on the ground out there, you know, meeting folks. And like you said, you really, this is on a, a very personal level and things are about relationships. Short of just saying to a young adult, you know, go to our website, um, you're just face-to-face and somebody says, you know, I'm overwhelmed by the Internet. I don't know what to ask. I don't know what to do. I've just gotten this diagnosis. My head is spinning. Is there um, some sort of, what, what, what is um, somebody at Livestrong say to a person like that just what right off the bat what is your kind of sure. position on, on on how you approach somebody right at that at that stage well i mean the first thing that i would want uh someone to know is that they're not alone um, and and i know that that's one of the scariest parts of being diagnosed especially as a young adult is that you know no one i don't know anybody in this same boat and i don't know where to find people that can help me through this journey uh, so, one, I would want them to know that, that there are other people out there. There are organizations and institutions that care about them and care about the things that are important to them. The second is, um, you know, we, we've taken a lot of time at Listron to develop the resources that cancer survivors have told us uh, would be meaningful to them in their cancer journey. So, connecting them to resources like our Livestrong Survivor Care Program that can provide one-on-one support um, from a psychosocial standpoint, from a financial or practical standpoint, um, helping them to connect to clinical trials, if that's something that's important to them, but then also providing them with resources um, to help them to 
navigate their cancer journey. Uh, one of the one of the really cool um, things that we've developed over the last year has been kind of version 2.0 of our Live Strong Notebook, which got such great reviews um, from cancer survivors. And that's our our Live Strong Guidebook, and it it's it's uh, new and improved in that it actually starts at the point of diagnosis and has distinct resources and information for someone irrespective of where they are in their cancer journey. So whereas the notebook was originally created for post-treatment cancer survivors, the guidebook is applicable to people if they've just been diagnosed, if they're in the middle of their fight, if they're a long-term cancer survivor, or if they have metastatic disease and um, maybe approaching the end of life. So having resources in there uh, that hopefully are meaningful to all of our constituency, not just the post-treatment cancer survivor. But for young adults, we're really fortunate in that now we do have not only the Young Adult Alliance, which has a whole network of organizations that provide a plethora of services, whether it be peer-to-peer support like Emmerman's Angels or the the, the assets that, that Livestrong just acquired in terms of Fertile Hope with helping people connect to resources around their fertility needs or Planet Cancer that can provide retreats and and ongoing online support for that from that community perspective, um, it's it's there's a whole host of, of resources that are out there, and and I would just want people to know that um, there are other people in the fight that that care uh, and that are ready to connect to you if that's what you like. And I will just chime in real quick because we're going to get to Kelly in a second to just be a sort of a great segue here. Is that Jack? was part of the uh, the initial committee that helped put together the new Livestrong Notebook, and I, we have several copies here in the office. I think it's brilliant. I think it, it clearly shows evolution. I think it shows true thought leadership, and it's such a, a multidimensional uh, utility. It, it's not even a book. It's not a, it's a utility. It's a fantastic <clears> – <throat> I, there's no word to describe it. I wish I had it. It's one of those like, <laughs> well, where, were, where were you when I needed you, which is what people always yeah. ask me. You know, where was I when I needed me? Well, I, I would have loved to have had this back then. And uh, I you know, think that, that, that's one of the things that was really important to me when I started working at the foundation uh, almost seven years ago is is when I when I talked to Doug, I was like, you know what, you know what this is an opportunity for. It, it, it's really an opportunity to do something right. It's, it's, it's an opportunity to listen to the people who we want to help and really respond to their needs, not to think that we have all the answers, not to just do something to make ourselves feel good, but to really take the time and listen and create information and programs that are meaningful to our, to our population. So I, I appreciate the, 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 the support of the, the guidebook, and it's really a testament to the fact that we've got great people at the foundation who listen every day and and take what they hear from survivors to heart and and try their best to solve those problems as opposed to thinking we have all the answers ourselves. Well, and you try you I was just going to quickly you you've, I know we've, we again we have to move on to Kelly but you've been traveling I saw you went to Australia and you've been trying to uh, just sort of implement the the live strong way in terms of getting other countries uh programs and initiatives off the ground is that right? Yep, yep. Last year was a big year for us and then mm-hmm. we launched our Live Strong uh, uh, Global Cancer Initiative, and so we, I, I personally uh, traveled to a number of countries. I was in Mexico, I was in Australia, I was in Ireland, um, and our staff, you know, went to a whole host of other places as well. But one of the things that we're really committed to doing is 
showing people outside the United States that cancer is not a death sentence, that people do survive uh, cancer, and they go on to do brilliant things with their lives, um, where unfortunately the prevalent attitude is that um, cancer is something that you don't speak about. It's something that's very stigmatized in many parts of the world. Yeah, even a taboo in many countries. Very much so. In In many countries, people still think you can catch cancer, that cancer is a curse from God and that it's a blight on the family. And it, it's, it's heartbreaking to see how those who have been affected by the disease can be ostracized, not only by their community, but by their friends and family. And it's, it, it really uh, drove home for the foundation when we, when we learned about um, just the, the, the lack of support that uh, was being shown to those who have been affected you know, we needed to take up that fight. We needed to show people that um, it, people with cancer uh, do um, do have the right to your support. They do have the right to access the care. There, there is life after cancer, but we have to make sure that um, that uh, the resources are there in developing countries as well as in developed countries to to get people the help that they need. Well, Andy, I'll tell you, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. We we clearly like to, you know, this show is all about young adults, as you know, and, and we we're, we pride ourselves on being a real asset, I think, to the community. And being able to have Livestrong on is such an, an honor and, and a privilege because you guys are sort of rocking the, you know, you are the, are the game-changing organization of our century at this point, as far as I'm concerned. And you, you, you turned upside down the efforts of the stodgy groups, and I'll just leave it at that. And I think... Um, we're almost like a, uh, I'm not going to say a byproduct or a waste product, but we're, we're kind of like the, the, uh, the end result of your success in that sense, that we, we are living off of uh, the, I'm just going to say the energy that you've put into this country to start making cancer a national priority. So thank you for being on the show. I look forward Great. to seeing you, you again at any point in time. Congratulations on your survivorship of stupid cancer. And, um, I guess that's it. Take care of yourself. Great. Thanks so much. Andy Miller, everybody. Thanks, Andy. All right. Now, with Andy, um, I'm going to play a really quick. We're going to introduce Kelly here with just something cute and quick. Kelly Craddock is the director of the Young Adult Alliance and has been at the Lance Armstrong Foundation for five years, or 35 dog years. She must own dogs. She's been working with the Alliance for two years, in which time there has been an explosion of activity in the young adult arena. She's here to explain to us the difference between Livestrong, the Lance Armstrong Foundation, and the Young Adult Alliance, among other things, the fabulous Kelly Craddock. Kelly Craddock. Hey, Kelly. Hey, how are you? I feel like we just talked to you. I know, I know. We're here today. So how many dogs do you actually own? I don't, but you know it's funny because working at the foundation, we work our tails off, and we always just joke that it's like working in dog years because we move so fast and we get so much accomplished in such a short time. So I was just trying to be funny. No, it was good. We like it. We try to be funny all the time, so <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah, Jack tries to be funny way too much. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we actually had a bunch of questions in the chat room while Andy was talking, and, and people want to understand the distinction between. The Lance Armstrong Foundation, Livestrong, and the Livestrong Young Adult Alliance. Now, I know what the differences are, but for the, for the purposes of our lay listeners out there, uh, would you do us the kind favor? 
Sure, sure. So Livestrong is is the brand, <laughs> and the Lance Armstrong Foundation is the, of course, the foundation. So, gosh, how does our marketing people say it? They say it so eloquently, but. Um, you know, Livestrong is a trademark of the Lance Armstrong Foundation, and so they're one and the same, really, really. And the Livestrong Young Adults Alliance is a program of Livestrong, which is part of the Lance Armstrong Foundation. So it's all really one, all in the same. I mean, the program that I run, the Alliance, as we call it in abbreviation, is a program of the foundation. Now, the Alliance came to, to bear... In, in mid-2006 because of the report that I always talk about mm-hmm. called Closing the Gap, which articulated that survival rates and quality of life in young adults have been improved on par with other age groups in 30 years. Right. And that was spearheaded by Doug Ullman and the preliminary um, steering committee. And uh, can you talk about uh, the origins of, of how that actually manifested within the organization. Where were you working within the organization before you moved to the Alliance, and how did that transition happen? Okay, lots of questions there. I'm going to start with the Closing the Gap document. And actually, before that document, there was another document called Closing the Gap Research and Care uh, for Adolescents and Young Adults with Cancer. And that was actually in 2005 to 2006, the National Cancer Institute and the Lance Armstrong Foundation partnered to, to put together what's called a progress review group, a PRG, to actually address the, the special cancer needs of the AYA adolescent and young adult population. And so what happened in this first book was that they looked and said, whoa, there's a problem. Here are, the recommend- here are five recommendations that can help swing that pendulum in a more positive direction, with the overall goal being to improve survival rates and quality of life for adolescents and young adults. So that PRG, that Progress Re- Review Group, was formed, recommendations written, and then the Alliance came together, and we answered that book. We put together the book that you referred to, which was Closing the Gap, a strategic plan, where we mapped out a five-year plan for addressing those five recommendations. And so, you know, the interesting thing is we're about halfway through this plan, and the five years ends the end of 2011. So we've got two more years, and we've accomplished a lot, and there's a lot more to accomplish. But um, it's pretty exciting because this was the first public-private partnership that NCI had ever participated in, and it's been an amazing success. And wrapping up by mid-2011 is just in time for the Earth to explode in 2012, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Just to tie up all the loose ends. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, sorry, I, I mean, I2Y was one of the first. We weren't the first uh, our founding organization. We were, like, literally the first in the door when you opened it up uh, back in 2006. And, you know, membership has grown so much. Can you talk a little bit about what it takes to be a member, what you look for in members, and uh, what responsibilities members have by being a part of this, I would, I would call it a, a very elite group of, of leadership. Right. Well, membership is for, well, it's a organization, the alliance is a coalition of organizations. So you have to represent an organization to be a member of the alliance. 
And those organizations run from medical institutions, nonprofit organizations, and government agencies. So that's a pretty big scope of types of organizations that can be involved. Um, and so they run the whole gamut from big medical institutions all the way down to small mom-and-pop volunteer-run nonprofit organizations. You do have to be a 501c3 to be a member, and you have to have a common goal that serves to help adolescents and young adults with cancer. And right now we have, um, so your organization joins. So we have 110 organizations that are members right now. And in those 110 organizations, there are 200 total members. So there's 200 people representing 110 organizations that are members of the Alliance. You know, Jack um, doesn't count, right? And Jack doesn't count. Sorry. <laughs> I, just, I just come for the food and the tour of, of the Livestrong headquarters. <laughs> Yeah, and the um, the crazy thing is, is that I bet you I get ten inquiries a week at least wanting to join the alliance, and we ha are starting to have, as Andy alluded to, a large international presence, and so you know that brings up the whole issue of how do we how do we help them, how do they help us, what do we do moving forward to encompass the larger than the United States issue of cancer with adolescents and young adults, and that's something the steering committee is figuring out. Well, don't, like don't kick out Adam Garone, whatever you do. Oh, no, no, no. He's great. <laughs> <laughs> can you, Kelly, can you kind of flesh out and talk a little bit more about the, the five recommendations from closing the gap and, and your plan and, and where you are in terms of reaching your goal by mid-2011? Uh, yeah, now that's... Everybody take a deep breath. <laughs> so um, the five recommendations, like the, the first one is to identify the characteristics that distinguish the unique cancer burden in the AYA patient. Um, yes, yes. So I'm going to do the five recommendations, and then I'll go back and tell you about the working task forces, because these aren't clear-cut. It's not like that one's right. just the science. So recommendation two is provide education, training, and communication to improve awareness, prevention, access, and quality cancer care for adolescents and young adults. Recommendation three, create the tools to study the AYA cancer problem. And then four, ensure excellence in service delivery across the cancer control continuum, you know, prevention, screening, diagnosis, treatment, survivorship, and end of life. And then lastly, strengthen and promote advocacy and support of the AYA cancer patient. So to accomplish those five recommendations, of course, there are many tasks and strategies within each of those, but we have three working task forces that have formed to address each of these. So the science, science task force, which is now it's the research task force, really looks at proving that there is a biological difference in the makeup of adolescents and young adults than there are in the older and younger patients because, you know, those young bodies don't process the, the drugs and the chemotherapies exactly the same as a younger or older patient. So we really want to prove that there is a difference. There is a need for different clinical trials. There is a need for different drugs. And what the science task force has been working on um, last year, and we're wrapping up some research, is that we funded um, a retrospective analysis of existing data so that in, in 11 different diseases. And so what that means is 
we went back and looked at all the data that has been published in 11 different cancer diseases. And so we pulled all that data together, and the science task force is going to then create manuscripts and papers from this data. So we have everything that's been published for the adolescent and young adult population. And then the other thing that we did that's really groovy is we funded six biorepositories. So we funded six tissue banks to go and catalog all their adolescent and young adult tissue samples because we don't know what's out there. And so we're going to take all this data and get a bunch of smart people in the room and kind of go, what, 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 what next? What do we hypothesize from gathering this information? So it's really exciting to have all this information to be able to make some really smart decisions moving forward. And, and those biorepositories are out there. You guys have established those. They, they were already existing. We just asked yeah. them to pull their young adult samples. Right, right. And Adam Clark, um, a colleague of mine at the foundation, is doing some amazing work that I, it's so above my head I can't even talk about, about mm-hmm. you know, pulling all that information together and a lot of the next steps. So it's extremely exciting work being done on the science end. Um, the other really interesting thing is the um, Standards of Care Task Force. And they have recently, um, last June, we had a meeting in Bethesda to really look at the, um, well, we gathered all the stakeholders and experts in AYA cancer care that included physicians, researchers, psychosocial professionals, and then advocates to, to talk about the components of guidelines for standards of care for the AYA patient. And so the clinical issues and the desired outcomes were all discussed. And what the task force is now doing is putting together a manuscript that details the results of that meeting, and we should be publishing a policy statement or a, um, um, on the guidelines for AYAs with cancer in the first part of this year. So that will be hitting the press pretty soon. And that's exciting stuff yeah. as well to establish that. And then, I mean, as we all know, you know, awareness, that's the third task force, is a huge huge deal because we have to raise awareness on both ends of the spectrum. Those frontline physicians have a low suspicion rate of cancer in this age population, as does the young adult. So we are working to raise both awareness on both ends because you can't have an educated young adult going into a physician's office saying, I think it's cancer, I think it's cancer, do this, do this. No, 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 you're making too big of a deal of it. So we want to raise the awareness. I mean, um, Matthew, you you experienced that firsthand yourself, so that's my robot husband for brain cancer story. I know, I know. <laughs> well, that's then, yeah. In layperson's terms, what you're saying is like we want to make sure that young adults don't get robot husband for brain cancer. Correct. That is it. And then a new. I want to talk about this because this is very exciting. The newest group that's formed is we're forming a NCI Cancer Center working group. And it's led by, I'm sure you already know about this, Matthew, led by no other than your very own Dr. Lenny Sender. So a Dr. Sender, yeah, so he is um, helping really push this forward. I think he's got 15 and probably more NCI cancer centers involved. We're going to grow that group. We're going to try to get all the cancer centers, and they're going to really work in parallel with us to make an even bigger impact on survival and awareness of AYAs with cancer. And we'll have our first strategic planning um, in April of this year to really map out the direction that that group will be going. 
Yeah, that's that's the most exciting part to me mm-hmm. is basically how do we teach the next generation of doctors to be aware of their own generation's cancer issues. So, yes, it's very exciting. So um, we're, we're coming to a close. We've got a couple of minutes left. I wanted to uh, talk to you a little bit about, um, you know, to, to, again, to the lay person out there, to the young adult survivor or to the general public person, to know that there is <clears throat> that the uh, that the young adult movement has matured, as I said to Andy and at the top of the show, that uh, you know it is now part of the discourse, the standard discourse. It shouldn't come as a surprise to people when it's brought up that young adults can and do get cancer in the oncology space. What can people on the ground do with regard to the alliance or with regard to Live Strong's position on young adult advocacy? What can they do on the ground uh, to take action for this generation? Sure. Well, I think if they want to take action in their communities, you know, the best thing to do is find those organizations, find those adolescent and young adult organizations in your community that address those needs and and work with them, help support their cause, because we're all working on this together. I mean, that's truly, truly the only way this is going to work. That's why we have this coalition of organizations together. And the alliance itself does not provide a direct service per se. We're really stepping back and looking at the bigger picture of how can we all work collectively together to swing that pendulum in a more positive direction. So, you know, to have your to be working on it, I mean, to really have to do something tangible, I would think that those local nonprofit organizations in your community are the best way to just easily make an impact. Um, also, as you alluded to, National Young Adult Cancer Awareness Week is coming up the first week in April. You know, um, go celebrate with these guys. Raise awareness. Find out what we're doing. You'll be hearing more information from the Alliance about that and, and what you can do. That's, That's a great answer. We'll, we'll certainly be talking about it here. Well, yeah, we'll, we're going to be plugging, I, I just call it Nyakwa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> National Young Adult Cancer. That, that's Hebrew for what? Well, young Hebrew Adult Cancer? Adult. Hebrew for orange juice. Oh, nice. Great. Shalom, Nyakwa. Exactly. What'd you call me? Exactly. No, you can't say that word. Only we can say that word. <laughs> anyway. But, yeah, absolutely, National Young Adult Cancer Awareness Week, uh, week. This is the eighth annual, if I'm, not, if I'm correct, right? Eighth I annual? believe so. That is correct. So how far we've come. So you've, you've been working in cancer for 20 years. You're now heading up the Live Strong Young Adult Alliance. You are, in my mind, just the, the crowning achievement of what our movement needs right now, and I couldn't be happier to have you on the show. Oh, thank you. It's been my pleasure. You rock, Kelly. Kelly Craddock, everybody. Yay. Take Thanks, care. Kelly. Bye-bye. Thank Kelly. you, guys. Bye. Bye. All right, well, that wraps up our show tonight. How you guys, uh, Lisa, you're going to be back in, in um, Mason, up in north person. of the Mason-Dixon line next week, right? Yes, I will. Live and in person, in studio. Uh, Just take the Underground Railroad. <laughs> That's so bad. To, you had to do it. He went there. He just so he went there. He did. My, 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 my fault for not, well, Jack. All right, in person, babe, next week. All okay. right, well, it's a date. Okay, I told you I'd get a date eventually. Oh, man. my goodness. All right, well, Lisa, okay. you enjoy yourself. Have a, have a safe 12-hour drive up with Wendy to New York. Thank you. Thank and you uh, we'll see you back here next week. Now it's time for our uh, closing sequence. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, 
internets. You ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. All right, folks, that's tonight's show. I hope you had as much fun as we did poking a stick at Stupid Cancer. I'd like to thank our guests, Allie Ward, Andy Miller, Kelly Craddock. In our studio live here with us, Amanda Freeman. Next week's show, February 1st, Cosmetics, Friend or Foe. In our spotlight, Dana Laurie, young adult survivor of pituitary carcinoma, founder of the Purest Cosmetics line. Stacey Malkin, young adult cancer advocate, communications director for Campaign for Safe Cosmetics. And Janice Cox, national natural beauty and at-home beauty expert, the author of Natural Beauty at Home, and the co-author of Ego Beauty. If you've missed any of our previous broadcasts, check out the archives at stupidcancershow.com or subscribe to our podcast at itunes.i2y.com. Remember, if it's not stupid, it's not cancer. We'll see you all back here next week, my friends, live from the chemo deck. Jack Buffard, Lisa Bernard, Captain Stooping, Amanda Freeman, and I wish you all a fantastic week. Go to bed, Dory. Fucker out. On a friendly show.